Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Ben IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. So first, I want to welcome everybody to the panel. I am Jackie Meyer. I'm the CEO and founder of a software tax plan IQ. I'm also a speaker and coach to accountants in our industry or profession. Forgive me if one of those two words upsets you. It's a very controversial topic, but there have been some substantial gains in AI recently, especially in 2023 that impact our profession or industry greatly. So I want to start by catching everyone up here. Why is this such a pressing issue and important topic, you know, three days before 418 or the the end of busy season or the middle of busy season? Well, this marketing genius I follow on Twitter, his name's Rob Lennon. He describes chat GPT as AI's iPhone moment. He did that earlier this year. And he said it's an inflection point that changes the trajectory of how we live and work. And I've personally been waiting and waiting and waiting for years and years when everyone says AI was about to come, AI was about to hit, it was about to take over all the jobs, and I never saw it actually happening. But then 2023 hit, and I almost feel like the, the latest releases of AI are bigger than the release of like the World Wide Web itself or the internet in itself. Now, around March 15th, Chat GPT 4, which came out this year, actually prepped a tax return. And my colleague, Jason Stats, has been kind of all over Twitter studying AI for many, many months. And he did a great YouTube video and article on LinkedIn about it. I'll post it in the chat in a little bit. He'll also be on this panel Monday. So we have another panel on Monday, same time. Would love to see y'all there. Um, But it was a little weird because Jason gave a debrief of that prepping of that tax return. And there were some irregularities. It counts the numbers correctly, but it's based on 2019 data. It can't actually push the data into a software, which, you know, doesn't make it super helpful. And then you probably may know this if you're up to speed on AI and OpenAI and ChatGPT, but their data does not go past September of 2021 at the moment. And so it's not like you could actually prepare your 2022 or 2023 projected taxes in the system. And on top of all that, we have the government pushing for a halt of development for six months plus. We have leaders like Elon Musk, pushing for possible like public extinction of AI and further pauses of development. So that combined with all the amazing fun I've been personally having uh, with ChatGPT and the new Bing AI, it sparked me to ask some respected colleagues and leaders in the industry that I've gotten to know very well over the years and really wanna hear their thoughts on the timeline 
of what we should expect with AI and how it will impact accounting. So feel free to pop in the Q&A questions as we go. I do have about 10 uh, questions that I'll walk through. We'll get to as many panelists as we can as we go. We don't have a ton of time with the hour together, but let's get started. So let me introduce you to the panelists that uh, I highly respect and I wanna thank y'all each for being here today. I'd like you to each go around, give a quick intro, like two minutes tops, who are you and the state of AI in like two minutes, all right? So um, I'm gonna go around the circle that I see. I'm gonna start with you, Darren. Uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Darren Glanville. Uh, you can tell from the accent, I'm, uh, I'm from the UK. I represent Fathom, so Fathom are a, uh, a software platform that integrates with QBO, Zero, and many others, and allows us to pull all of that data that sits within the general ledger, surface that in a, in a highly visual uh, and highly easy to understand way, providing reports, KPIs, forecasts, and, uh, and consolidations. Where do I see AI? Um, I think we're right at the cusp of something absolutely phenomenal, but I think we have to tread carefully with this. And I think for us and what we're seeing, uh, especially within the UK and in Europe, um, with data protection, we have to balance this with ethics and responsibility. Awesome, thank you, Darren. I look forward to hearing more on that. Um, Ed. Sure, Ed Class. I'm with Sage. I build myself I'm, as a meta consultant because I consult to people who do consulting. So <laughs> it's like you know, a consulting for consultant for consultants. Uh, I'm also co-host of the Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker, a weekly uh, radio show slash podcast that we've been doing for, believe it or not, almost ten years now. In terms of AI, I, I I've described myself this way: I don't have future shock. I have future glee. Like I I can't wait. Like, bring it on, bring it more. Yes, certainly we have to be ethical and responsible, but that's true of all technology. You know, you can you can use, use, use nuclear power to blow things up or create a lot of power in a positive light for people. So, and, and this has always been the case. Same thing with the printing press. You can print, print printing press really good things. You can printing press really bad things. And there you go. So. Awesome. Thank you, Ed. Donnie, how about you? Thanks, Donnie from the Center for Accounting Transformation. I'm a CPA, but non-traditional CPA. Uh, with, I work in innovation and risk management, so we kind of balance those two. Tech is one type of innovation, uh, but there's also business processes and business practices. Ed actually and Ron cover a lot of business practices, innovations like subscription revenue and that type of stuff. So those are things that we help small and mid-sized firms and businesses adopt, and we balance that out with risks like cybersecurity as we talk about technology. Definitely agree with everything Darren and Ed brought up. To me, technology is just a tool. It's part of our tool belt and it's how we use it and what we use it for. And since you brought up the tax return thing, there's software that do tax returns too that has not eliminated the need for our profession. And so if you are actually operating as you should as a professional, you shouldn't feel a threat from AI at all. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Donnie. Shannon, how about you? I couldn't agree with that more. Hi, guys. I'm Shannon Weinstein. I'm a CPA, consider myself a fractional CFO, and I'm the host of the Keep What You Earn podcast. And I completely agree with Donnie. I think that this is a brand new tool in our tool belt, but I think it's also going to generate a demand for a new skill set in the form of good prompts and the ability to use it. I mean, Excel 
it could have basically destroyed our profession, according to some people, but it's become a staple in most of our toolkits now. And I think that as long as we're evolving our skills to match what the new needs are, then we'll be able to keep up with those demands. I just think this is going to put a bigger demand on accountants to show up as professionals and strategic advisors, as opposed to the transactional number crunchers that we used to be. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Okay. So we might have a couple more panelists joining us, but um, we'll kind of move forward as is for now. Uh, I want to kick off with a fun question and Shannon knows where this is going to go because we talked about this on her podcast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, it's, you know, something I like to talk about on the concierge CPA podcast too. So I'm going for a she trend with AI and I pulled tax Twitter and I asked what gender, if any, you might want to give AI. Now, I also respectfully asked AI itself and chat GPT told me it doesn't really care what I call it. Okay. So it has no opinion. Uh, what do y'all think? It, he, she, or something else? Darren? I think you can play this a couple of ways. I think you can call it chat GP he, chat GP she. <laughs> There's a few ways that you could do this. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play this the balance card there. Okay. Anyone else? I think it's a matter of time before they get a, give it a name like Cortana, Siri, Alexa. It's mm-hmm. going to get a name at some point. And then whoever has that name, I feel bad for, like the Alexas of the world right now that get yelled at constantly. Well, so I don't have necessarily an opinion on on the gender of Chat GPT, except to say that it, it is a reflection of of us because we created this. The data that 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 we submitted to the internet is out there, so it already it has biases just like humans do. Uh, so we have to un- understand that it gets stuff wrong. It makes stuff up when it's unsure. I don't, I don't know who that sounds like. You know, I don't know anybody who does that. Any, but but I will tell you this: that I have asked it some questions uh, regarding. Uh, and and I think this is interesting. So I, my first prompt here: describe Ron Baker, my partner on the radio show. Um, in the, describe Ron Baker, or, and then I, then it says Ron Baker is a prolific writer and speaker, primarily known for his work in professional services. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Then I said, now describe writing style of Ron Baker at, in the voice of a woman. Hmm. And it comes back and says Ron Baker is an exceptional writer known for his captivating and insightful style. His work on professional service firm management and value pricing is truly impressive, and his writing is a pleasure to read. It is much softer. Yes. Yeah. I did that exact same thing for a friend's um, accounting firm website and some coaching programs that they were going to offer between men and women. And she was releasing one for men. I ran it through GPT for the feminine version versus the masculine version, and it was pretty darn you know, spot on, I thought. Donnie, what do you think? That's interesting. So I'm actually cross-testing Bard. So I asked Bard, what gender are you? And it gave me a short, the end of the response though, which is interesting is it says, I do not have a gender. I'm a computer program and I do not have a physical body. I am not male or female. I am simply Bard. I'm not okay. I can see good. That's probably why they chose a gender neutral name on there. (laughs) But it's well, self-aware to know that it's just barred. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Right, right. Like, that's a little sassy if you ask me, but okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, I was kind of impressed when I've been playing around with it. You know, it can you can tell it to pretend to write an article in the voice of Oprah or the voice of, of someone that might be a celebrity status or whatnot. It also actually pulled quotes 
for me from a book that was not well known. And I asked, like, how do you even have access to this book? And it just said that it was part of its creator's database that happened to be loaded. And so it's interesting to think about that. I asked it also to make our mission statement and my company more emotional because I was feeling kind of dull and dreary one day. And I was like, maybe it can help me. And it actually worked. It made it sound a lot better. So there's a lot of really cool things that it can do. Um, have y'all done any fun testing like that that you want to talk about? Or do you want to discuss maybe the accuracy of some of that information that might be spitting out? I'll I'll jump in and say if you haven't heard the Doug Sleater controversy about this, then you you're, you missed this. It, it, if you ask Chad GPT 3.0 about Doug Sleater, it will tell you that he is deceased. Oh. He was he was personally very upset by this, by the way, that it, it has him as dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, curiously, 4.0, he's alive again. So it's like Lazarus coming out of the tomb. It's it's it really raised from the dead. Raised from the dead, dead Doug Sleater. Uh, and it, when when you ask the version 4.0 that's connected to Bing, so Donnie, you probably have done some of this uh, already. Bing will give you the sites, unlike just the straight chat GPT, where if you tell it to show show its work, show me your work, it will not show the work. Right? Well, it, it will give you footnotes, but it won't embed it the way that Bing does. Yeah. Yeah. But you so have to specifically ask for it too, which is really odd. Well, like, so because I I asked it when it said Doug was dead. I said, "Where's where's your evidence for this? What what are you citing?" And um, it's like it's like as an AI, I I don't. I, that, oh, doesn't, interesting. Mm -hmm. It it's, it disclaimed that statement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. Yep. It disclaimed it. So uh, so, but whereas it does do the citing, I think you know, and showing the work is important. And Darren, this is to your uh, concern about uh, ethics and stuff. I th I think the show your work part is important. I don't know whether it needs to be government mandated or anything like that. I'm the I'm a big libertarian, so I'm just like. But I think we will we will adopt it more if yeah. we can trust it, and if we do say show your work, it shows its work. Agree, agree. Yeah, I think one of the things I'm finding interesting is the technology is phenomenal, and I think you know we, we we've seen where this has gone. I think that the, the, one of the key things I I'm loving about this and what I'm seeing from a lot of people is is how it's helping and how people are thinking about prompt engineering that's that's the the gift of, of this i think is is how we construct those prompts and what we expect those those prompts to do for us mm -hmm. yeah. any of you i'm encouraging my kids to use it for schoolwork straight out i have my nine-year-old daughter kind of obsessed with it because i was so obsessed with it you know as of a month ago she really enjoys interacting with it i also have been using it with the quotes and citations that i get there are for my doctorate program as well. And there is definitely that ethical concern or line of how much do you use GPT-4 to do writing versus even evaluating or editing your writing. And it's so unclear at this point. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, in a minute. Any other points on accuracy or uh, you know other things around that area? Okay. So, I think that AI is going to take over compliance tasks audit for audits, especially because it's so rule-based. Tax, bookkeeping, I would give it probably five years. You know, everyone's been saying it's coming next year, next year, next year, but I really think it is on the forefront in the next five years. 
Do you agree with that timeline or disagree? And do you think AI is going to literally take people's jobs in the profession? Or is it just going to take on specific roles or enable us to, to do things even better? Um, it's already, it's coming, Jackie. It's yeah. coming. Uh, the timeline, I think, is sooner. And there's already companies out there selling bookkeeping by bots. Mm-hmm. So I think that yeah. it's out there already. It's a question of how of the quality and the degree of reliance that the profession has on it. Mm-hmm. I think that will grow in the next five years, but there's already products out there and already services that are developing. So I think it's going to happen a lot sooner. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with, with Shannon on that. I think let's not confuse AI and machine learning with chat GPT. Chat GPT is an element of, of AI. And and it's the natural language processing of of that. We've already seen AI in the last five to seven years with some of the applications that many of CPAs are using already with tools like HubDoc and others. So it's 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 evolved. What excites me is we're at Chat GPT four right now. So it's just one element of how we interpret and use that language to 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 get the results. I think this forms more part of what Shannon was saying, which is again is about CPAs doing more work of value and the, the hard thing for cpas right now and, and, and cas over here is remaining relevant in in this landscape so automation AI over the next five years is going to absolutely disrupt the landscape those firms that are embracing it but also then looking and i think we, we do we, we we see people falling into that three camp scenario again one is the 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 advocates the, the neutrals and the skeptics, and, and we will see that. And the skeptics are, are worried because they think they're going to be out of a job. And we see big headlines in CPA advisors saying, you know, 100% of accounting jobs are going to go in the next five years. That's nonsense. What it's going to allow us to do is to upskill those, those, those CPAs and those team members much more richly. And I think is about deploying them in different ways. We've just spoken about prompts. I think there's going to be a demand for people to build prompts within AI for those firms and their customers. There are going to be people roles for AI auditing, not auditing in the CPA sense, but auditing the, the, the AI tools themselves, as well as writing that. Um, and I think also um, becoming more data analysts and using those. So I think that the transformation is going to be there. Donnie, what do you think? I think a big clarification we have to make sure that we put in here is that we're using the term AI, which is a very, very broad term, and even some of the things that Darren brought up is not G- chat GPT, which is generative AI. It's yeah. one type of AI. Right? So when we talk about AI in the profession, there's like tons of different ways. And for a lot of us have already been using it because it's already built into a lot of the document capture, like the yeah. HubDoc, I think Darren had mentioned, you see it in Zero and in QBO behind the scenes and looking at the recommendations for coding. So there's a lot of different things in this. But bottom line on this is that, again, like Shannon and I both, like this is, we've seen other technologies come in. It doesn't really replace us. What it does, though, is it does force us. And I know some people don't want to be forced to do more value per se, value added work right? Which actually will let us do more value pricing <laughs> and stuff. So there's more that's kind of out there. And it's about how do I get this, this grunt work off? So if you're one of those that actually likes that grunt work, yes, you will be disrupted. But I don't like to use that word disruption, because I think it creates fear. And I don't like people motivating to do stuff under fear. Because the other thing they do is they go, I'm not doing anything. And that's not what we want either. So I've switched to saying it's disrupting instead to say it's enhancing. Because the way that I think of ChatGPT or actually any of these tools 
is it's like the bio armor and the cyborg type of stuff, right? It's actually going to get us to do more with less people. And we already have a shortage of people in the profession. And so if we start to embrace all this stuff, but also ensure that we're using these things ethically and legally and in the way that they're intended to be used for good, because as Ed brought up, you can use technology for good or evil as we as we see, like, and that is really the need for our profession in looking at this, because we as accountants are the ethical profession. We are the only profession that has ethics at the core of what we do. Absolutely. Do, do you also think, sorry, just coming, just, do you also think that, that CPAs have to really think about how their clients are going to consume those services in the next five to 10 years as well, and how that demographic and those customer expectations have changed? And everyone has a, everyone has a smart speaker on, in their home right now. I mean, that's that's really where this is going for me. Absolutely, and that goes along with what Allison was asking, which is, and that was actually exactly where I was going to go. Is we are already behind our education system and our funnel of accounting majors is already very very behind in terms of the skill set that we need in the accounting profession and the number of people who desire to be accounting majors. I think this is going to enhance that problem in the sense that we're still defining accounting majors as people who can do debits and credits. Yeah. And that's what they're learning. And if they're not infusing a really core element of data analytics and financial analysis and, you know, those types of skills, more of the FP&A type of skill set and tax strategy, if they're not infusing that into the education, you're going to see an even bigger decline in accounting majors and even lower funnel of people coming into the profession. And you're going to see huge paradigm shifts in how the big four especially operate because they're going to need a whole new skill set and a new type of staff. Yeah. Well, let's, let's keep in mind, and this is, I think a challenge though, the word accounting is a past participle by definition. Accounting is about the past. We are accounting for it. Right. Right. By definition. I love that. It, it, yeah. it, the language the language itself is plain that it's it's it is about the past uh now you know auditing is about checking the past it's not it's not about the future and, and the the tradition in my head has always been finance is the is the bridge it goes from okay this is what the numbers were to what do, how do i project this for you in the future and i know there's a lot of accountants who are uncomfortable with that because they're like no it's about the past they've that's what they that's what they were brought up on the challenge is, is that it's, it's as General Erickson Shecky once said, is if you don't like change, you're going to like irrelevance even less. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> right? <Very good. laughs> so this is the reality. But I, I, the one thing I want to add, and it's, it's a, a, a quick sidebar to this conversation. I, we had Mark P. Mills on our show, The Soul of Enterprise, a couple of weeks ago. And he said that AI should not stand for artificial intelligence. He has a different AI. He says it should be an advice inference. Hmm. So it's an advice inference engine. That's what we're looking at. It's it's a it's about advice, and just like all expert advice, we we take it with with a grain of salt. I I want experts to advise me, not decide for me. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think that we have to keep in mind is that this is about providing better advice overall. Yeah. But it's, but but it's it, but it, it's but it's not about the answers. It's about asking better questions, as you guys were all talking about. I mean, that's to me also the difference between you hear about data scientists and data analytics. Data yeah. analytics is about um, getting the answers from the data. Data science, just like science in general, is about asking new questions of the data. 
of the title. And here's what ChatGPT is not capable of doing, coming up with new questions. It can only repeat questions it's heard in the past. Mm -hmm. It can't develop its own new questions. Yeah. Yeah, great points. Donnie? I just wanted to jump in uh, to help address some of what Shannon had raised, which is the changing curriculum. So I was on the CPA Evolution Task Force, which is uh, run by ASCP, was run by ASCP and NASBA, and we've actually already published a model curriculum, or or AICP has published a model curriculum that actually re or has in included, I'm also I'm missing the word, integrated, had integrated um, technology and the uses of technology across all of the different courses, as well as more of basic understanding of technology risks, which is some of what we're kind of talking about today. And, and also looking more, um, the management accounting pieces that is alluded to also has been kind of reworked a little bit as well. So there's there already is that movement and the changes that are related to that to the chain, to the CPA exam are actually going into effect next year. So there's a lot of movement in, in kind of addressing some of that, but also as Darren kind of brought up earlier, there's this whole need for upskilling as well, because we can't have all these graduates come up with all of this new skills and then they go into a firm and the firm's still doing things the old way. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was thinking about with tax advisory services. Like we need to start teaching tax advisory in college and not tax compliance. I mean, that's old school. No one needs to know that anymore. We need to go straight into advisory work. And so then you start brainstorming, like, how do you possibly like do this? But it's by being involved in those kind of committees and that kind of thing. So that's really good news that the that y'all are already making progress there. I don't I don't know that I totally agree with what you just said. I Compliance is a base. And mm-hmm. unless you actually understand the compliance piece, I'm not saying you have to do it, mm-hmm. but as long unless you understand the compliance piece, unless you understand debits and credits, and yeah. this is the biggest thing we're finding with new graduates, they don't understand core debits and credits. So when there's a problem, they have no idea how to fix it. Why put it in the computer? Isn't that right? No, it's not. And you should be able to detect that that's not right. Yes, but Donnie, this is a huge debate that I just started in the accounting firm influencer group on Facebook because I was under your same thought process until about five days ago when I had this revolution that a tax advisor does not need to know about debits and credits. A tax strategist does not need to know debits and credits whatsoever. They actually don't even have to know how to prep a tax return. I was thinking, oh, of course you have to be a tax compliance person before you do advisory work, but it's actually not true. You can go into very specialized consulting areas without having some of that baseline knowledge. And I think we need to rethink what that looks like, you know? And I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to give you the analogy to the doctors. All doctors still have the base of standard medicine. Yeah, that's true. I can kind of see what you're saying, but I don't think everyone cannot have that. And even coming back to some of what Ed saying said about the forecasting, the biggest problem we find, because we do, we don't do compliance work at all in my firm. The biggest problem we find is that base data is not good because people don't have the core understanding of how do I ensure data quality? And it's not purely an IT thing. It's making sure that the actual base accounting is being done correctly, because otherwise I'm doing forecasts, I'm doing data analysts against data that is not good, which is garbage in, garbage out. I I would agree with Donnie. I wouldn't want to open this up to a conversation about regulation, but I think regulation is a big threat to the profession as well. 
Um, so, but but coming back to that point, ad, ad, compliance and advisory aren't mutually exclusive to each other. You need a solid base of compliance work to to do the the compliance that the advisory work from. Um, I think AI will and, and ChatGPT will, will massively assist in that process and free up more time to to devote to that. But I think what was you know what the institutes and the professional bodies have to do certainly is focus on developing those scores core skills. When people come into the marketplace, the minimum table stake is that you're great, you're a great technician and you understand debits and credits really well, but you you're specialising in those other areas. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that too. And the not in a vacuum with with strategy and no. and that type of thing, but. But here's the thing. It's the approach you learn when you learn tax compliance. It's not the debits and credits. It's how to solve a problem using that. And I think that's what what Donnie's getting at is it's not about what you're learning in the textbook, but it's about going through the process of absorbing that mindset. Like I'm a trained auditor showing and I go- your work in the same way that we ask AI to do it. Show us your work. Exactly. Showing the work and knowing how to get there and critically think. Yeah. And I think yeah. the critical thinking is the byproduct of the compliance education as opposed to the compliance database of knowledge. Because I yeah. couldn't tell you any tax law off the top of my head, but I know how to find it. And I know, yeah. and that's the skill you learn with the compliance work that can be translated across both disciplines. Yeah, agree. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because it's, I mean, that's, that's why it's a debate. I mean, we yeah. don't know what's going to happen and we something has to majorly change with the way that we're educating people and bringing people into our industry. And so, you know, that's just one one thought process around it. Now, Alex Just talking about Jackie, sorry, just very uh-huh. quickly. Do you feel do, do the panelists feel this is something that's going to be uh, driven by the the customer at the end of the day or is this going to be something that the profession needs to drive? Uh, can you rephrase the question? So in terms of adoption and, uh-huh. and and what happens, is this something that is driven by customers? Because again, we, what we've seen with a lot of cloud computing is that it's oh, been okay. yeah. pulled by customers. Customers want this. So where there's been kind of hesitancy by CPAs to adopt that. Yes, there's hesitancies by CPAs as one. Uh, and I know y'all know this as well, but, uh, to adopt anything. And because we're so stuck in the grind of compliance work and the mandates that are put onto us by the IRS, et cetera, And so even going to tax advisory, which is my jam, is so difficult for an accountant to grasp because clients aren't demanding it. Clients are demanding their tax return get done by 415, right? They're demanding compliance work. And so, yes, I think for this evolution to occur in in, a faster paced way, clients should and will be demanding those services and asking, why am I paying you $10,000 to do bookkeeping work? that I could use this other service for $300 and it does a better job, you know? That's, that's that gets, what I mean. What do y'all think? That gets into, sell, if you're selling transactional services, then that will happen. Yeah. Yes. But if they're buying you because they trust you, it will not happen. Uh, and they'll be asking you how to use the AI to serve them. They'll be asking you to review the work of the AI that they use. They'll be asking you as the, as the Oracle, if you will. Uh, but that's the... That's the key is that positioning yourself as a professional, as the advisor, but not as the executor and the transactional person. And the problem is, and I agree with you, Jackie, but I, but the problem here is most people think they are buying advisory when they purchase a tax return preparation because they're like, well, aren't you saving me money? Mm-hmm. And they don't know that you're not really because you're publishing the story, not co-authoring it. Mm-hmm. And I think we have an obligation as professionals to educate on Here's what you purchase. Like you purchase publishing. 
<laughs> we are, we, if, unless we're, we're meeting throughout the year, there's little I can do to control the outcome. And therefore, I, it's very difficult for me to differentiate myself than H&R Block across the street because we're both keying numbers into a software. However, if you want to work with me year round and at this price point, we can make that happen where we can actually change the end of the story for you. And more CPAs, more professionals need to be taking that approach uh, than outwardly selling the transactional work because it's what people are lining up. You're an order taker if you're selling tax returns and people are just buying them from you versus actually selling your services, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see that. Um, so Alice- right. Ora labellum delenda est, I will just add to that, which is which is Latin for, and the timesheet must die. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, we're not getting into that today. <laughs> I guess, I, that's, why I just, okay. that's why I just added it. No, because no, it, no. That's why I just added it. Ixnay, All right. So Allison, um, Allison, the audience, brings up a good point along these lines, and she's wondering if we start using chat, GPT, et cetera, to summarize articles, text, emails, et cetera, Knowing it has its own biases, one of her thoughts is that long-term and unintended consequence is that we lose our desire to read, think critically, and um, to, you know, trust but verify. So what are y'all's thoughts on that? I think we all have a bit of that concern, right? I don't think that's long-term. That's already here. We yeah. already <laughs> I can tell you, we've seen yeah. it in the graduates coming out. That And it's part of the reason why we killed our internship program about 10 years ago. Because none of we saw very few of them, I should say, not none of them, very few of them that actually want to think. And there's actually a book called What the Internet is Doing to Our Brain that I love because it actually raises this point. It was written, I think, 15 years ago. And it's this inability um, to actually retain because all I do is look it up. And it's this inability essentially to think critically, which is what we really do as professionals is that critical thinking. How do I put these pieces together? Because we have to remember that, especially when you're using something like AI, it's going to tell you this is what everybody else is doing. And it's not the, well, if you want to stand out or if you want a different strategy, this is the different strategies. For sure. Yeah. Ask it to write an about us page for your accounting, your accounting firm, and it will come up with the same about us page that every that 80 percent of CPA firms has out there, which is bad because that's not what you want. <laughs> well, that's what. OK, no, I'm not, not going to get to that one. <laughs> like accounting firms need to revise their website pages, but put a little thought into it. Yeah. You know, any anyone out there, please, let's work on that soon. OK. Um, now, other things, just to kind of wrap up this particular part of the combo, if people are curious, like, well, you know, what is GPT really excelling at? Really, it comes down to communication and marketing efforts. I mean, it is kicking, kick you know what, kicking tail in that area. It is not a great tax advisor, mainly because it has outdated info from earlier than 2021, but it actually doesn't recognize that it's outdated information. And so that makes it even worse. Um, and complex analysis of things is kind of meh on the on the guidance as well. So I've had I've had it do like help me with a like kind of exchange and you know kind of tax strategy type stuff. And it'll tell you like based on the dates you plug in whether you can qualify or not. Um, but it really doesn't add that whole layer of complex analysis like we're talking about. And then it's also pretty slow at math, which I don't really know what the deal is with that yet, but um, we'll see. So what do y'all think that uh, GPT, do you agree? Is that what you'd say it's really good at? 
Or is there another area that we haven't mentioned yet that you want to talk about? I think it's great for marketing. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of a lot of folks who are probably listening because accountants generally are not fans of marketing, but this is a great way to start writing copy. This is a great way to actually simplify what you're saying because maybe you're going to write a blog and it's jargon ridden and it's for another accountant because we just can't shake the jargon. You can actually plug that in and say, can you write this like it's third grade level? Jackie and I did this just for fun. I think we did like a real estate type thing, like, oh, explain SVB like I'm eight. You know, it was kind of, it was a really cool way to kind of quote unquote, dumb it down, but to, to strip away a lot of the stuff that we add in to sound smart that we're not intending to do. And it's a really cool tool to be able to communicate with people and to meet them where they're at. So I really, really like it for that to kind of bring me back to earth and go, can I make this simpler? Um, have you guys, any of you seen Hector Garcia's video that he posted, I think last week on the financial, where it did financial analysis, he cut and pasted a balance sheet, uh, or an income statement into it. And then he asked a series of questions that, you know, about analyzing it, analyzing uh-huh. this, this quarter, came back with this an analysis stuff. Wow. He says it's, and it's banal to Hector. It's yeah. banal to everybody in this audience, but it would not be banal it's, to the customer. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. that's what's important, right? <laughs> Yeah, and that just that just triggered me too on one of the risks that we have to remember when we're working with stuff like this, which is the release of private client information or sensitive yes. client information. Yes, because yes. it is going into a learning model that then incorporates it into itself. Hector specifically said, "I'm not right. putting the header in. I'm just putting." <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> not cut. Not cut. Not Full cut disclosure. And the header. No. no. <laughs> But I think that's what that's what it is, and and yeah, that's the, the the problem is is that it's only as secure and as strong as its weakest link, and that's the the person doing the input thing, <laughs> and that's us, and it is and us, that is us, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Why we're seeing that rush of all of the HR departments trying to write guidance around what you can and can't do, and you're starting yeah. to see the information security departments start to kick in on it as well. And I know a lot of the, a lot of people on here probably are like, we don't have those departments because we're small. Exactly. By myself. Right. So make sure you're thinking about this stuff. And especially if it's more than just you, what is your staff doing with it? How are you making sure? So part of this is that whole awareness, just like we always talk about in cybersecurity, it's awareness of what you can and can't do and what you should and shouldn't do just to make sure that we as humans, the weakest link in this don't actually cause a data breach to occur. And do you guys remember when the, when the internet came out and we were riddled with pop-ups all day, every day? Mm Mm-hmm. And then there were pop-up blockers and then there were antivirus softwares. And now you really don't have that happen unless you go out of your way to click phishing links and things. There will always be an evolution of a problem that presents itself as a side effect of that advancement because you're going to have the internet, but then it came with pop-ups. But we don't remember that anymore because we've solved that problem. And I think we're going to see something similar with AI because you're going to have this other privacy concern, right? And we had a lot of identity thefts when the internet came out and we started sharing information online. And now there's more guidance, more protection, more processes around that on how to handle it. And I think we're going to go through this rough patch of learning what that's going to feel like and solving the problems as they come up, because we're going to start realizing what the problems will be when they happen, unfortunately. And I think that's what we have to be ready for is that kind of rocky road of implementation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And in the same way, the European Union came up with GDPR and the, the constraints around that, they're going to do this similar thing with, with, with AI as well in terms of how that protects individuals, what information is being shared, et cetera. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and we're already seeing that with Italy and, and you know, sort of yeah, Italy's and, ban, which is yeah. bold, but Italy's also, you know, requiring that you put things in French, which is very interesting. So they've got their whole thing going on over there. Absolutely. Um what's what I thought was weird is that GPT itself, if you ask her, <laughs> if you ask her. If it's storing your data, it says, no, I'm an AI model. I don't store your data, but that's misleading because the platform that you're talking to it on is storing your data and saving your data. And so it's very, can be very, very misleading if you don't know the right way to ask the question, just like anything else that you're talking to it about, right? You can't have an end, you can't have something that receives 10 million plus queries a day, not storing some of those queries. Exactly. It's it just, it doesn't work. Yeah. And then we see some apps and softwares that are coming out with their own integrations right now. Now, I've heard that these third-party APIs are more private in regards to the, the data not coming out of their systems, but clients are going to be very concerned about that. Another problem that I see is there's some softwares that are saying, okay, um, have GPT create this checklist for me on how to do accounting work. But there's no audit or validation or human involvement making sure that that's accurate information. And so that seems a little bit weary to me. What do y'all think? Well, a lot of what you're saying is, I mean, it's the parallel to using information from the internet, right? Do we always take it at face value? No. Or if you know better, you shouldn't, which is what we're trying to teach the kids, right? And uh, but and this is actually reminding me some of uh, the earlier discussion too is reminding me of when social media first came out. So do we just ban it and not use it and do everything right? We saw the firms that did that. That definitely was not the path. And so I think it comes back to again, if the onus is on us to recognize that this is a tool. And I need to verify what it's doing. And I need to not just take everything at face value. But I also can't say don't use it. Because mm-hmm. that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the, the ban is just silly too. Even the, the whole Elon Musk thing, and I think that it's just it's, it's just silly because it, it's very it's very um, uh, how shall I put this um, colonial of them hmm. is the way I look at it. Yeah, well, I actually kind of think conspiracy theory here because if you look over the last several years of AI hitting the public market, like there was an awesome AI travel bot that came out where you could have it book appointments for you. Amex bought it up a few years ago and privatized it. So I kind of feel with Elon Musk and some of these big corporations saying, oh, this is dangerous, but they just want to kind of monopolize it because- I mean, there's so much amazing information for the public that 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 could be there for them. Oh, but, it's not it's not also known for for saying things that affects the stock price, is it? And oh yeah. no, <laughs> dread that. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we've <laughs> talked a little bit about this, but we've got a lot of different ethical considerations here. I think you know plagiarism is a big one. I saw someone was, you know, ranting and raving about how when the the AI that is able to pull graphic information right now uh, on the Bing side or whatnot, it's actually uh, plagiarizing other people's photos online in a way, um, or the way that it's paraphrasing information from where, you know, where is it coming from and why? So someone suggested that pretty much everything that you write should have a little disclaimer at the bottom, like AI assisted or something like that. And I don't really see any harm in that, but I don't know if if something more would need to be done. What's the biggest ethical issue that y'all see? 
I agree with you, actually, the copyright and trademark infringement that it doesn't know it's doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not just ethical, it's actually legal. Like there could be liability associated with that. Yeah. I kind of like, if we're willing to put, this is what I just thought of Jackie, but if we're willing to put at the end of our email signature, excuse any typos sent from iPhone. Yeah, why then, would you do that? Yeah. Right, like then why wouldn't we just put like, excuse any whatever, <laughs> like AI assisted. I actually don't mind that because it would be actually be nice to know, but uh, I don't know. That's really interesting. That's an interesting um <clears throat> We, we, say, I get, we get emails all the time with disclaimers in the bed in tiny, tiny right. little font. I also I got one and I, I should, should have saved this. But years ago that that actually the language was this. Um, if you receive if you receive this e- email in error, please delete it without having read it. Right. <laughs> like what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's like us having a checkoff. We're not a robot. <laughs> well, you know, that, that's like software, like my machine here you know? that I keep on my desk whose sole purpose is to turn itself off. This is what it, it so this is what it does. <laughs> yeah, good times, good times. Okay, so are there any particular integrations that y'all are seeing hit the market right now that you're really excited about with AI and, and tech? Anything in particular? Or are you just kind of riding the wave to see what happens over the next several months? I think part of it is is that the stuff that we're that that we're seeing we're not seeing. All of you might remember a time when it was actually a big deal and important to know what your IP address was on your computer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you remember? Like you had to know. Like it was, it was important. And now that is completely not important because it's so buried in inside. It just happens. I think most of the AI that we are all interacting with, we don't even notice anymore. Agree. <laughs> we don't even notice. We're we're a big deal about ChatGPT because it's new and it's doing some yeah. interesting stuff. But the if we're talking about AI in general, the, what's cool about it, we don't know because it's we're not even realizing that it's AI. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Wow. Very true. <laughs> I, th- I think the the one thing that, that I really love um, and it, it kind of gets my my creative geeky juices flowing is is really where does do, do, is this going over the next five to ten years and you know whether that's moving more into quantum computing whether that's moving more into vr and augmented reality that's really where i see this developing into and and how does that interplay um and that's what gets me excited about this piece Mm-hmm. I want to see. I want to see the, the 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 virtual reality general ledger where you put goggles on and go spelunking through your general ledger data. In- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can be standing at the beach. You know, you're at the beach with the waves and you're plunking things around. Sliding debits and credits over here. And then you can have ChatGPT as your pretend significant other, and you know they can be giving you all the emotional support you need. And then Did any of you watch the South Park episode on ChatGPT? <laughs> You need to watch the South Park episode on GPT. Just throwing it out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I am not. I am not. I don't know if I want to. All right. So uh, we're hitting the 50-minute mark. And I have one final main question. And then we can kind of open it up to anything else you'd like to discuss. I'm curious if you I think I I think I know the answers, but we'll we'll just verify. If you were the one to make the decision as to whether to keep OpenAI and GPT publicly accessible, would you do it? So let's start with Darren. Yes. <laughs> Just simple, straightforward, yes. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Ed? Yeah, unequivocally, yes. <laughs> Donnie? 
completely agree. Yes. Shan. Yep. Same. So what the heck is Elon Musk talking about? <laughs> why? Why? Oh. Why is there this fear that they're trying to embed in people? I'll jump in to start that one. So I think part of it, what you said is fear. And it's this whole generation of fear on what can it do? What is it going to do? Right? We don't know. That's the that's part of what they're kind of building off there. I also am going to caveat that on the other side, because we do know that technologists don't necessarily think about this. What's the public good? What's the balancing factors in there? It's part of why we're here as accountants and auditors and internal auditors that come back and ask those questions to business. Should we really be? We can do this, but should we be doing this? What's really the impact? What's going on there? And so I'll I'll stop there with I think there's a lot of FUD that's going on and a lot of PRing type of stuff that's going on and posturing. Uh, well, as I said earlier, it's it's very colonial of them. It is it is very you know we we are the knowing and you are yes. not. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and 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 they have access to all this stuff. They ha they're the ones who are going to be able to if their kid God forbid gets cancer to be able to use the research tools that are because you got a billion dollars, right? They're going to be able to do this. I, you know, some of it might be just butt covering too. Like, oh, we we're on record. We we said there was a, you know, we had to be careful. Right? Yeah. So I think that that's that's part of it. But I think I think most of it is just colonial. I just think it's pure colonialism. <laughs> Any other thoughts on that? All right. So what um, is brewing in your minds that I did not ask about that you think would be fun to share with this topic? Darren, what, what else is on your mind here? In, in terms of in terms of AI, I, I think for me, I, I think it's, it's going to be that explosion of, of new roles, new titles that is born from this. Um, I think we're going to see some really cool um, opportunities for, for, dare I say, Gen Z, Gen Alpha that are coming into the workplace in the next 15 years. They're going to have so much opportunity to really embrace this and, and drive this forward. And it's, I'm, I'm slightly jealous that, that I'm going to be coming to the end of my working career at that point, and then they're going to be coming into to all of this. But no, I think it's a, it's a huge opportunity. Yeah, awesome. Ed, what about you? Um, my my son is a junior in high school, and we're looking at colleges. And I'm firmly convinced that the the job that he is going to get does not exist yet. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. so that which is challenging when you're thinking, well, what do you study? <laughs> Artificial intelligence. <laughs> well, I'm I'm very happy that next 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 year he's taken a, a stats class because AI is based on Ooh. probability and stats. So yeah. good. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's a good first step. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Donnie? I would counterpoint both of those. One is that I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna wait till those generations. And Shannon kind of alluded to this as well. I I think it's earlier. I think we're already gonna start seeing it in the next two to three years. Right now, if you think about the hype cycle, it's at the top of the hype cycle. That's why there's all this discussion. People don't understand what it's doing, what it can't do, which we talked a lot about today as well. And then what are the implications? And I do think there's gonna be some new jobs, but I don't think it's gonna be every, I don't think there's gonna be a ton. I think we're gonna change the nature of some of what we do because yeah. the, the understanding of prompt engineering is not gonna be a prompt engineer. It's gonna be something we all have to learn to do as part of how we're interacting with these different types of technologies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, it's, so key right now is upskilling ourselves. Yeah. yeah. 
One one just comment on the whole stop thing too. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think that the the the, the Chinese are going to stop? Exactly. No. Exactly. Right. And That's thus the right. ethics issue. That's yeah. the scariest <laughs> part, right? Right. Behind, that far behind other nations. I think sure. I think also we have to redefine value outside of output because that's that's going to be and it's not just for accountants even though that's stereotypically what will happen it's everyone has to revisit what is the value you add in terms of the problem you solve and that problem will change that problem will evolve so now it's going to be what prompts do i need to give this thing in order to get the result that i want not yeah. the mechanics of how to actually arrive at it which is hard for people to grapple with, but it's, I love Ed's example of like his, the job he has does not exist yet. And I was thinking about this when you mentioned auditing, Jackie, where I go, auditing won't change, but we're going to be testing tech controls. We're going to be testing function. We're going to be doing IT level controls more and be able to rely on the reports. I'm just thinking of how that pie chart's going to shift from IT general controls and financial controls and planning analytics away from the human planning analytics and into testing the tech to make sure we can rely on the tech to draw conclusions. I think the science is going to be very similar and the critical thinking, but we're going to be doing it in a different way in the field. And I think that's where the skill set's going to shift and we're going to need more people with that type of skill. There's a book, uh, Humans Are Underrated, and I highly, highly recommend people take a look at that. It's, it's about six or seven years old, but it's still relevant today. And, and he said, look, there's, there, are, there is some jobs we don't want machines doing. Like, I don't think we get to the point where we want a, a, a AI deciding guilt or innocence in a trial. I don't think we, we now, you know, computers can help us diagnose the, the can, cancer, God forbid, but we don't want chat GPT telling you you got cancer. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Great point. I want to jump in real quick, just because what Shannon raised is so important, and it's this shift of the audit. It we And the auditing is already going through this shift internationally. I've been involved internationally in re-looking at the impact of artificial intelligence in and the changes to the standards, and you're already seeing it. It's part of the whole service organization controls or SOC movement, which is, can I trust the information and the processing that a software is doing? And that's the really big shift in audit. So when I hear people talk about oh audit should go away and it's only financials they don't understand the real job that we do in auditing which is to ask the hard questions about ethics and fraud and can this occur and then also figuring out now can i trust these reports and this software yeah for sure all right so we're coming up to the top of the hour i definitely want to respect y'all's time again really want to thank you for joining me today this was really really fun discussion i super geeked out um and for the attendees, remember, we do still have another session Monday at noon with a whole another panelist group. And so we'll kind of continue the discussion there. But we have reached the end of this fantastic panel webinar. And um, there will be a quick little survey. This was a complimentary uh, offering just to get the word out about how what we were thinking for the industry. And so I'd love to see y'all complete the survey. Let us know what you think. Let us know what other kind of topics you wanna see out there. Um, and especially to thank our panelists. And then um, my social handle is Jackie Meyer CPA. We'll be publishing the recording. I'll push it out to all our panelists as well. And so they can republish it out and we'll go from there. So. That's it for today, TGIF, and uh, good luck. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Bye. Thanks, Thanks Jackie. Have a fabulous for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-C-P-A.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.